just ring in our ears, Lord. Just it's it's just a wonderful truth, Lord, that that you just love us so much, Lord. So I just pray for these next few minutes, Lord. Let us just be in your presence. In your name, we pray. Amen. So if I asked everybody in this room how you thought your life would turn out, would you answer, yep, it's exactly like I thought it would. That if we watched a video of your life, that we would able, everything that you predicted would happen, would happen. Not hearing a lot of yeses. I'm assuming it would probably be, there's kind of a lot of messes that happen. There's a lot of failures. But there's also a lot of successes too. But there's just these unpredictable events that happen in our life. Things that, that we're probably proud of, but there's also, if you're like me at least, there's things that you're not so proud of. But regardless of, of what your story is, I, uh, I imagine that you found your story of your life. Sometimes you're just in, your, in life and the story of your life, it just, you go, this makes no sense. This, I don't understand this. So if I knew everything about your life, and I got up here and I told the story of your life, would people, if they listen to every little detail of it, would make it make sense to them? Or would there be times when they're just left scratching their head wondering, what does that have to do with this? Or why would you do that? Or, or would it be just like I said, would it be like you had planned? Or would there be twists and turns? And, and sometimes it just, it does. It doesn't make sense. Today we're going to look at, at this habit of Jesus that he told stories. He told a lot of stories. And a lot of times those stories didn't make any sense. This, this habit of telling stories really about life. And when he told these stories, a lot of times we're left with more questions than we had bef- than answers. More questions than we had before going into him telling the story. And sometimes Jesus would tell stories that didn't make sense by asking a question or, or answering a question with a question and questions upon questions. So some examples. So give you just a little bit of what I'm, just a little taste of what I'm talking about. Matthew 5, 11 through 12. These are Jesus' words. He says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when people insult me. I don't like it when people persecute me. And I don't like it when people say things that aren't true about me. That I, I don't feel very blessed about that. I have other kinds of emotions that I feel. And blessed would not be one of the ones that I, that would not be my go-to. Or to rejoice. What about the next few verses, a few verses down? It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Grove comes up, says that to me, says that you're the salt of the earth. I'm like, what? What does that mean? I don't even like salt. I don't use salt. So what do you mean that I'm the salt of and, and lose your saltiness like, like what is that because i'm not salt so i don't I, like that doesn't make any sense jesus also he he this is what by questions asking questions upon questions matthew 7 3 through 4 why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye 
when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. And then he follows something else that, that kind of doesn't make sense either. Verse 5, it says, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. Now I'm looking around the room, and I don't see planks sticking out of people's eyes. So yes, this is a metaphor. We talked about metaphors a while back. Jesus isn't really necessarily saying you have a plank in your eye. Or is he saying he has a plank in your eye? And then Jesus answers again, questions upon questions. Luke 10, 25 through 26. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Fair question of Jesus, right? If Jesus is who he is, son of God, he's the Messiah, you should be able to answer that question, right? And this is what Jesus' response is. More questions. What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? A question with a question. Odd stories, odd answers that don't necessarily make sense. Now, some of us in this room, we can relate to this. I've had a teacher, in fact, just... In my master's program, I have a teacher that that does this. You ask him a question, and he does everything but answer that question. He he does not answer the question at all. He starts going off on something else, telling you about some other thing that you think it has not, this has nothing to do with what I'm asking. All I'm wanting is I don't even want the exact answer for this question for this problem that you've given us. All I want to know is the steps that I'm doing to solve this this answer to this problem. Am I at least on the right track? Because I don't want to get all the way down and give an answer and turn in this piece of paper. And he has a habit of putting a whole bunch of red on this piece of paper and not giving you a very good grade. So I just want to know, am I wasting my time here? But no. He starts telling these stories, starts answering these questions. He says things that do not answer my question. And he leaves me with another question. But is he really answering my question? He really kind of is answering my question because he gets me to think. He starts to have me think, and then I see get this revelation. Maybe it's a revelation from God. Maybe it's just in my own mind, and I just don't see it. But something that's right there in front of me that I discover. It just took me seeing it. But it took his story. It took this teacher helping me to see something that was always there. Jesus telling us stories. They don't always make sense to see the truth, to see Jesus, to see what Jesus is, who he is, right there in front of me. Jesus telling stories. He's not answering our questions. He's asking us a question. He's leaving us maybe more confused. Maybe our lives, we seem, our lives are confusing, and he seems like maybe we're being more confused. And I think sometimes Jesus, with answering these stories the way he does and telling these stories, that we become uncomfortable. And why? Why does he do that? Why does, why does Jesus make those stories uncomfortable? The people of the day, they were uncomfortable when they heard those stories. And why? It's so that the truth will be revealed. And it will bring us back into a relationship with him. Bring us back into a relationship with God. Now, what if our lives were just in constant comfort? We had every pleasure, we had everything, like every, it's just, there was no misery, there was no discomfort, there was, everything was just wonderful. I don't think we'd ever grow. We'd never learn anything new. It's when, you're, you, when we were growing up, a lot of us, I think, and even now, we, we learn the hard way of how to sometimes have appropriate behavior. We learn the hard way of how to, to 
be comfort because of our uncomfort that we bring upon ourselves because we have these uh, we're uncomfortable because of consequences for choices we make and then you know growing up one of them would would be as is a spanking but eventually spankings don't really work so then parents or teachers or other people come up with other ways to give consequences one of the consequences i hated the most is when you knew the person in authority your parent your teacher your boss your whoever knew what you did and they said nothing just quiet you got in trouble you got got nothing and in fact then they start asking questions telling odd stories maybe that don't really make sense but in reality they did make sense because it made me think about what was going on and hopefully what was the result of all of this of any of these consequences that made us uncomfortable hopefully we received forgiveness we, we may not have had a consequence that physically made us uncomfortable, probably mentally made us uncomfortable, but in the end, hopefully what the result was is that our relationship was restored with that person. Our relationship was strengthened with this, that person. We learned something new that we may not have known before, or we saw something that we thought we knew. Maybe we thought this is what it should be, but then through this odd story or through this, these odd circumstances, we see something a different way. We see it in a new light. We discover the, this truth that we, that we didn't know before. And that's how we communicate, isn't it? We all tell stories. Like that's, that's part of the, being up here, like is telling stories. Last, many of us this week, we went to this, the movie, The Sound of Freedom. I think probably many of us went to that movie this week. That's a story. It's a real life story. That's a true story. And you know what? I, it made me uncomfortable. I bet it made you uncomfortable. Both Kim and I, after that movie, we really didn't even know what to say to each other. We were, we were kind of speechless. For many of us in the room, like, it's a true story, but it, a lot of it, does, it doesn't make any sense because I don't understand how this could happen. I don't understand. Like, one of the lines in the movie is like God's children are not for sale like I just it, it's just a I don't understand it and we ask the question why why because these are children and Jesus says some pretty strong words about children doesn't he Matthew ten fourteen says this is what he says it says let the little children come to me do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these and then further down in Matthew 18, Jesus says these words. And this, this is from the message. It says, but if you have given them a hard time, he's talking about the children, bullying or taking advantage of their simple trust, you'll soon wish you hadn't. You'd be better off dropped in the middle of the lake with a millstone around your neck, doomed to the world for giving these, these God-believing children a hard time. That's some pretty severe consequences. That doesn't sound like I want to mess with God about that. But I'm assuming that, that listening, to seeing that movie, me even bringing up, me telling these stories, me giving you these Bible verses probably brought all kinds of emotions up in you. Made you think. Maybe made you reveal some things to you that you, maybe you've never thought of, thought of before. When I saw that movie and I read these verses, you, you know what it brings up in me? It makes me want to cling to my children more. Makes me want to cling to my spouse more. 
Makes me want to go to my family. Makes me want to run to God. Makes me want to run to Jesus. It makes me want to have any relationship that I have broken. Make me want to restore it. It makes my relationships that I have, it makes me want to strengthen those, especially those with God. But that's the power of a story. Especially when the story might seem like it's a really, really odd story. So I'm gonna, we're going to look at a story today out of Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Now a denarius is a fair, that's a fair wage for the day. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Now, those of us that have employees, I wish it was this easier. Maybe this is what we need to do. We just need to go out and go, you're not working. Why don't you work? Come and work. I, I don't know if it'll work, but guys, maybe that's a, Dave, maybe that's how we can get some employees. I don't know. Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages. Beginning with the last ones hired, ones that have only worked about an hour, and going on to the first ones that have been there all day. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only in one hour. They said, and you have made them equal to us who have been borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who has hired last the same as I give you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. I don't know about you, but that story on so many levels just doesn't make any sense to me. Like who pays someone Who pays to someone that's worked one hour the same as someone that's worked 12 hours? That doesn't make any sense. And, like, if you're one of those workers, like, why wouldn't you be mad? I'd be mad. Yet the owner tells him, basically, says, knock it off. You agreed to work for this, so that's, I'm paying you what you agreed to work for. Now, if you're going to pay somebody that way, if you're the landowner, you're going to pay someone, why would you start with the person that's only worked an hour? So now everybody can see this, like, almost like you're trying to start a riot. In fact, even the culture of the day was you would have started with the ones that worked all day. But that's not what happened. The workers all day thought this is what they thought. Because I worked all day. I'm hot. I'm sweaty. Worked 12 hours, 14 hours, whatever it was. It's my right to get paid more. It's my right to get paid first. However, this, this odd story demonstrates in God's kingdom What we think our rights are, what we think is fair, what we think we're entitled to, it doesn't matter. 
What matters is the grace that God gives all of us, regardless of who you are. God's grace doesn't look at how long you've been a Christian. God's grace doesn't look at what your past is. God's grace doesn't look at who your parents are. God's grace doesn't look at where you grew up. God's grace doesn't look at where you're from, what job you have. Grace brings all of us together into the same body of believers that's equally, and it's all poured out on all of us, and we all have an important role in this body. If God's grace was based on our rights, we would all be in competition with each other. We'd all be wanting to earn more brownie points with the boss. Our focus would be on our works. They would not be on, on, on Jesus. They'd be on what I did, what, how, what I earned for myself, how long I worked or how long I served. Like the workers in this story, they served all day thinking they deserved more because they earned more. That's my right. God giving grace freely and generously to everyone and the same grace be given to all of us and our focus because this grace is given abundantly to all of us our focus is on living our lives for jesus serving jesus not worried about someone earning more than me we all receive god's generous grace 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 doesn't have a measuring stick grace is only measured in abundance abundance that is graciously and generously poured out upon all of us because life's not that easy life's confusing life is messy it's unpredictable it's unexpected there's lots of things that happen full of twists and turns i don't know very many people that their life is a once upon a time fairy tale life seems unfair sometimes we might live our entire life following Jesus. Some, a lot of us have done. We've lived a long, long time following Jesus. We'd scrape by just to end, make ends meet. Then we see somebody that their entire lives has been nothing but pursuing stuff for themselves, pursuing their success, or just living life the way they wanted to, to live. We would probably, a lot of us would maybe judge or condemn like we talked about last week look at these people said these this is an awful ungodly unworthy they're beyond saving like no they've never set foot in a church they've never served anybody but themselves they've never sacrificed anything but then one day this person hears one of these odd stories of jesus they begin they're a little confused they begin to think they discover the truth and they received the same grace I received. The same grace that all of us have received. Then this person, all of a sudden, I see him in church. I see him serving. I see him living this new life as a Christian, just like I have been for all of these years. They walk in, and maybe even someone in the church recognizes this, and they're given this leadership in the church. They're given some recognition. They're, they're, they're part of this body that we're all part of. Well, that's not fair, right? Because I've been serving for decades, and this person's been serving for five minutes. That's not right. I, why don't I get recognition? But grace doesn't work that way, does it? Grace is freely given, and grace is full of surprises. Grace is not about what we have done to deserve it, because none of us have done anything to deserve it. 
If you want to look at the life of Jesus, here's a life of Jesus. That, that, that life wasn't fair. It's confusing. And it doesn't seem right. Jesus, who is the Son of God. This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. This is who the Israelites have been waiting for as a nation for their entire lives, many of them. Entire lives. to They were thinking to deliver them from the, the rule of the Roman Empire. But that's not how the story ends. It doesn't end that way. The story ends by Jesus being killed on a cross. Jesus executed. Jesus really murdered. For what? Nothing. Because Jesus was without sin. He didn't violate any laws. There was nothing. There was no reason. This is odd. This isn't fair. This isn't right. This doesn't make any sense. Or does it? Because Jesus freely gave his life so that we have life. Freely gave his life to pay the debt for our sins. Here's an innocent man put to death for what? For our sins. God extending grace to us that we didn't deserve. Jesus giving us life to provide a way for us to restore our relationship to God. For God to pour out his grace upon us. Grace that's not dependent on what we do, what I do, what the workers in this story thought, this passage, that they agreed to work. Like, we have to agree to something, though. We have to agree to accept this grace. We have to accept the fact that Jesus died for us, for our sins. We have to make that decision to follow Jesus. We need to give up our rights. Give up what we think is fair. Accept the grace that God gives each and every one of us, this abundant grace. Which, I don't know, that's an odd story. Matthew 16, 25 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Giving up our rights to receive the grace God freely gives us. Is Jesus part of your story? We all have different stories. Our life might seem like some of us might say, yeah, my life is a fairy tale. Once upon a time, there was this little boy named Jared, and, and mine wasn't, but those are few and far behind, between. Most of us, I think we'd say our life is odd at best. Some of us might say that my life is so far has been a flat-out disaster. It doesn't make sense. It's full of twists. It's full of turns. It's full of just chaos. Our story though all of us, is in need of God's grace. Maybe some of us, have you heard one of these odd stories of Jesus that don't make sense? Have you heard one of these stories that made you start to think? Maybe you're confused. Maybe you start to reflect on your own life. And what does this story mean to me? What does this odd story about Jesus, what does that mean? What if you heard these stories of Jesus and they've become part of your story? What if you've heard these stories and you've decided to, you, I am going to give up my rights and I'm going to receive God's grace? What if one of these stories restored your relationship with God? What if you had your relationship restored with God by one of these stories that, again, don't make sense, and they strengthened your relationship with God? What if you heard these stories and saw them in a new way that you've never saw them before. 
God revealed to you something that made this, this life, this messy, this confusing life less messy, less confusing, less chaotic. What if we stopped trying to bring order to our messy, confusing, painful, odd lives ourselves? We stop doing it ourselves. We stop trying to do it on our own. We hear these odd stories of Jesus, ones that seem to, they don't make sense. Stories that seem really even sometimes against what the world is trying to tell us. We hear these odd stories of Jesus, ones that don't seem to make sense, ones that, that just, and we see the truth is revealed to us. We put our rights aside and we receive grace. Receive God, grace that God is freely giving us that is revealed to us by these stories of Jesus, by these odd stories that he tells. We put our rights aside and let Jesus be the center of my life, which is kind of odd. We become dependent on Jesus, which again is odd, not ourselves. We focus on Jesus and we focus on serving him, which that's an odd preposition. That can be really odd to, to say that to somebody. But if we begin to not just hear these odd stories of Jesus, we begin to live in these odd stories of Jesus. Those stories start to live in us. We become part of the story. A story that others see our story. And our story looks pretty odd to them. But that our story doesn't make sense. But our, that story, a lot of us have that same story in the room of how we heard these stories of Jesus and we decided to follow Jesus. A story where the world might even look at us before Jesus and say, you know what, you're hopeless. They might say, you've done something that the world, that's just unforgivable. There's, there's no hope for you. We lived a destructive life. Maybe one that's, we're destroying our own life. Maybe destroying the life of others as well. But as odd as it might be, once we hear one of these odd stories of Jesus, or even a series of these odd stories of Jesus, they don't make sense. But then one day they do. And we become part of that story of how Jesus changed our lives. How in Jesus we became this new creation. That old me is gone. That's not me anymore. Things like the Bible say the blind see. The lame walk. We've had it in this room. People are healed. People are forgiven. I am forgiven. People receiving this eternal life that can only be found in Jesus. And by these odd stories, our relationship with God is restored. Our stories... Our lives, others begin to see these, this, these odd stories. And the title of this, this series is, Yes, I'm with Him. They see this and they recognize and they go, Yes, I'm with Him. I'm with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your words, Lord. I thank you for, thank you for these stories. Lord, I thank you that many of us in this room, we have heard these stories. We have given up what we think are our rights. 